Welcome to Everything You Remember Sucks. I am one of your co-hosts, Anoop. I'm one of your co-hosts, Colleen. And I'm the last, most important, beer-holding co-host, Matt. You know, I don't like that I never get to go last. Isn't it that Matt goes last because he's least important? Yeah. Yeah, but you went last last time, so you guys both get to go last, and I but never get to go But it's because you last. always go first. No, because I always go, I either am first or middle. Yeah, first or whoever's, middle. Whoever's chose the topic gets, gets first. To first. So you guys get first, I guess you get first and last, and I only ever get first and second. Yeah, so better. Yeah, but there's always, you always say something witty on the third one. I you never could get a chance. You interject anything witty into any point. I can't. It's not the same. Colleen, oh, so you're you could say funny. you're the middlest brother. You could say you're the oldest brother. You're Forbes 30 and 30 media luminary. <laughs> no, well, that is the last one. That actually, you have to be the last one to do that I'm one. I'm your sweet baby brother, 30 under 30 luminary. Griffin McElroy. Oh, see, th- th- you, you, you made one key mistake there, Colleen. Oh, shit. Wait, Colleen McElroy. I mean, oh, Colleen no, Grandy. Oh, no, had slipped there. <laughs> Revealing some true feelings. No, but can we be real? Um, I feel like I've always thought Griffin was the best brother, but I'm leaning towards Justin. Justin, interesting. What caused I think, the change? I think Lock Justin's- out the next 30 minutes. Fuck this podcast, I guess. I think he's just so fucking funny. Griffin's the funniest. Griffin's really funny. And Griffin has like Griffinisms that make him very funny. Like like just the way he speaks Look, makes him funny. a little penicillin will clear that right up though. <laughs> it's the IBS. He's just so uncomfortable all the time. <laughs> yeah. Just like some of the way he says words are funny. But I think Justin overall... I, okay, maybe I just like Justin the most because he laughs at his own jokes Justin's a lot. Justin's the Jimmy Fallon of the brothers. Yeah. Can't keep it together. I like that. So you like Jimmy Fallon? Yeah. <laughs> I also laugh at my own jokes, so I'm yeah. getting the divorce paperwork. In you terms like of Fallon? content, Griffin's my boy. In terms of aesthetic, I really like the way Travis looks at any given time. Yeah. That guy is just he just has a vibe and he's like living it hundred percent of the time. Yeah, I'm into cool. it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'll go in and out of my favorite brother. Yeah, you will. Well, hopefully they'll go in and out of you. Hey. No, thank you. They're all <laughs> married with children. They they're not really children. sex symbols, are they? No, no they're definitely but they're not. really funny. I would love to be friends with them, but yeah. that's it. It wasn't thirty under thirty sexiest brother. It was <laughs> Oh, sexiest brother contest. Uh, let's not do it because that <laughs> feels wrong. Feels wrong. Um, and none of them win. Well, one of them has to win. I mean, Travis. It just feels really good to be part of part of the Maximum Fun family, guys. <laughs> oh yeah, I did we not mention that we've been accepted to the Maximum Fun Network and Headgum, <laughs> yeah, and all the last t- podcast network. Thomas Kaylee, thank you so much. Two subscribers was all it took. <laughs> yeah, nowadays the market's so fractured that that's actually a, a high viewer number. <laughs> uh, Here we are. Here we are. So, guys. We're back for part two of uh, a Spooktoberfest. Uh, spook, Ooh, spook I like Spooktoberfest. <laughs> yeah, sure, that's, that's what it is. Um, Spooktoberfest. We're we're here. We're back with for more spooks, more fun. And for a Spooktoberfest, we you you mentioned this last episode, but goddamn, not spooky. 
No, not spooky. And we're going to continue the not spooky isms with a little film known as Beetlejuice. Guys, that's what right, we did guys, this don't week. Don't say it two more times this episode. So when we went to go look for this for this this episode for this movie we were searching to see if it was on any platforms that we have streaming and of course matt doesn't want to type it in and he just keeps saying beetlejuice into our thing and i was like dude you can't say it more than three times yeah or sorry two times what's the window time window on the three times good question so it seems like in rapid succession because at one point in time winona Ryder says it twice then doesn't say it the third time but then the next time she goes to summon Beetlejuice, she has to say it three full times again. But it's not that rapid succession because like 90% of the suspense in this movie is that people can't say three words in under a second and a half. Yeah, like what the fuck are you guys doing? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, what can we say? Michael Keaton's just quick on the draw. Okay. His, first, he's so good in this movie. First question. I tried to look it up. And from what I can tell, this is the first iteration of Beetlejuice. Like, it wasn't a story that was already created that they made into a movie, right? No. This is an entirely original concept. That's what I thought. Created by, I think, let's see. By Michael McDowell. Michael McDowell. Oh, of course. Michael McDowell. I assume some part. It's a Tim Burton movie. Let's, let's it's absolutely a Tim Burton movie. It's very, very Tim Burton-y. To the point that the sandworms are also in Nightmare Before Christmas. Yep. Yeah. They are exactly the same design. But this movie came out in 1998. 80. Uh, 1988. That's right. Good. I was testing you. Um, <laughs> and you passed. Uh, starring like predominantly... So much. Uh... Alec Baldwin and uh, Gina Davis. Is it Gina Davis? Yeah, Gina Davis. Um, as a young couple living in a house, they're enjoying their life uh, when tragedy strikes and they are killed and they end up haunting their own house and hate the new family that moves in. And if it doesn't sound like I've mentioned Michael Keaton yet, it's because I have it. He's not in this movie a huge no. amount. No, no that neither was... is Winona Ryder. And in my head, they were both major characters. Winona right. Ryder's in it, like, at least it's probably the third major character. But yeah, I for a movie called Beetlejuice... I don't think Catherine O'Hara is probably more prominent than Winona Ryder. Yeah. You're probably right, actually. But yeah. I... And the dad, for some reason. And he was spot on, though. One of the things I remember of this movie is being like, oh, it's Beetlejuice. Two hours of Beetlejuice. Here we go. Yeah. Like 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a first for the podcast in which I actually have never seen this movie. Despite picking it, I've never seen Beetlejuice before. So I knew nothing about Beetlejuice. I knew very little about it before even coming into the movie. Oh, I'm very excited to hear your thoughts on this movie. Yeah. Now, setting the stage, I am a Tim Burton fan. Nightmare Before Christmas is probably one of my favorite movies growing up. Um, I like Batman Returns. Like, uh, I've liked like some of the other stuff he's worked in on, on a little bit later. I liked Corpse Bride, Sweeney Todd, stuff like that. All been good. Yeah. So I like his aesthetic. Yeah, I like it a lot too. I like his two Batman movies a lot. Um, I, I like Beetlejuice a lot. Um, obviously starts to go downhill like post Sweeney Todd. I think post Sweeney yeah. Todd is where he does like 
the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory remake. Ugh. With uh, Johnny Depp? Yep. Yeah, I thought that was all right. What? I said all right. Not good. We have to rewatch that because... Oh, we should do uh, both first of them. Willy Wonka. Paired together. Yeah. Ooh, that'd be a good one. Yeah. I was also thinking of changing my choice for Spooktoberfest to Nightmare Before Christmas, but I realized we could just do it for Christmas. Ha ha! Yeah, I mean, we could just do that. I think it's more of a Christmas movie than it is a Halloween movie. I yeah. would argue the same. I would say I, the same. I've seen people argue otherwise, and I think they're wrong. I think they're wrong as well, because the entire premise of the fucking movie is, he wants is that he Christmas. wants it to be Christmas. So he's, all the songs are focused on Christmas. All the decorations are focused yes. on Christmas. And it's just Halloween like how... is like the first song. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, literally they're... called This is Halloween. Yeah. And then they're from Halloween Not to be town, mentioned again. <laughs> and but they want to be in Christmas. That's probably one of else. my absolute favorite holiday movies for sure well before we get into the plot beats we could talk about how this is also a danny elfman soundtrack which yeah. i fucking love danny elfman right and oh. i would like but as the movie started like i hit play and i was like oh is this a danny elfman soundtrack and yeah then, then you yeah. have to look it up like an idiot like yeah of course it's danny elfman anyways so we were talking about beetlejuice and timber and uh and danny elfman and danny elfman right so continue yeah, it's a Danny Elfman soundtrack, and it's, like, very distinctive. It's a Danny Elfman joint. Yeah, it's good. Um, okay. okay my, well. first, my first comment on this movie is, I don't, maybe this is a joke that I didn't pick up on, but everything in the movie that's that says Beetlejuice is spelled Beetle, G-E-U-S-E. Well, it's not, it's a bet, it's like Betelgeist. B-E-T-E-L-G-E-U-S-E. Yeah, but then his name, if you look up the cast for Beetlejuice, it's spelled Beetlejuice. Well, he's the whole point is that he's like centuries old. So his name is some like old thing. Oh, it's like old timey. Okay, I was like, there's got to be something that I'm not picking up on. Yeah, it was that. And that was it. Yeah. Yeah, but his, his name is not actually Beetlejuice. It's Beetlejuice or something. Yeah. It sounds like something out of like an old country folktale. Yeah. Well, beware of Betelgeist. He will take your soul. But they just have to say Beetlejuice to get him. Three Does times. Does his tombstone say, Here lies Beetlejuice? Yeah, no. It says Betelgeist. It says Betelgeist. His tombstone? Betelgeist. Yep. Okay. I know yeah. his flyer said Betelgeist. Anyway. Should we go through the, the, the plot beats of this? How do we want to Right. So we start it? off, uh, all our main cast is still alive, right? We start with Barbara and Adam Maitland. Those are the two main characters. Okay. Uh, Gina Davis one. and Al- a young Alec Baldwin. Oh, so uh, dreamy. Young Alec Baldwin. Jeez. Snaps <laughs> for young Alec Baldwin. Man, that guy. <laughs> yeah. Handsome moaf. Uh, indeed. And... Gina Davis, not nothing to shake a stick at either, but uh, definitely Alec Baldwin carrying the looks in this film. Yeah, his um, hair is just like next level. His eyes. Those blues. Tell me more about what you love about Alec Baldwin. Well, they make a joke in 30 Rock about how he was like so beautiful. He used to be in the bubble and then shows Tina Fey a picture and she's like, can I keep that for later? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like that. Yeah, True. yeah. 
Alec Baldwin, very handsome in this movie. So they're uh, a weird couple <laughs> to start. So first of all, most relatable thing right off the back that they have a two week vacation and they're just staying home. It's yeah, like and they're exceeding. so thrilled. They're super excited about it. Staycation. Uh, yeah. And they don't say the word staycation, which is also great because <laughs> this is this is a pre-staycation era. <laughs> they don't. It is, yeah. I mean, they basically invented the staycation, but they just didn't coin the term. Well, they didn't even know they were inventing it yet. Yeah, uh, and they're staying. The original all... hipsters. They go down to town to pick up something from the hardware store. Um, Low-key, very funny scene with that guy sitting outside of the, the barber sitting outside of the hardware store where he just keeps telling his story while they walk in and out. Yeah, um, uh, you've met my grandpa, right? Like at the wedding. Uh, yeah. That's literally my yeah, grandpa. Yeah, that's. I thought that too. That's, like I was that's like, an age. I have an attending who is just like that too, uh, which is very difficult to deal with that word. But besides the point. Uh, so they get to town, they're coming back. They, briefly, while they're Wait. at home, they're badgered by... Huh? I was going to say, you forgot to mention Jane the Realtor. Oh, yeah. Jane the Realtor, who's also a family relative. Ish. Yeah. Yeah. She's, like, related to them in some way, shape, or yeah. form. She says, like, oh, they're family at some point. So why didn't she... One of my biggest questions was, after they die... And these people move in, all of their things are still in their house. And I was like, why didn't anybody remove them? Yeah, why didn't she want them back? In fact, she specifically says, I designed the house, or I helped with the interior design. God, these three people have terrible sense of interior design. I'm not saying that the new characters that come in are much better, but you know this is a Tim Burton film when the people we're supposed to empathize with have like a spooky haunted house aesthetic. Right. <laughs> like that was their, their, what they were going for ahead of time. Um, so All she right. comes and she like hounds them about selling the house and uh, they Which, don't want to do that. I don't feel, okay. It makes more sense that they're family now because I was like, I would literally take a restraining order out on this bitch. She like, spooked him in the basement in the window like she was being really fucking pushy and creepy and i'm like that's not the way to sell a house kaylee would know kaylee would know yeah uh they're definitely very patient with this woman yeah in a way that i would not necessarily be uh, they're they're a very cute couple yeah to start i think they do very good job very quickly of being like oh these two have like pretty good chemistry and they're they're fun to watch. Now, do we think that they have fertility issues or that they chose not to have children? Because I I was leaning towards the fertility issues because when she brought it up, the girl's face got kind of sad. Like she was like, oh, this house she is better for She got kind of sad. And family. then at one point in time, Alec Baldwin says, we could try again during yeah. the stay at home vacation. Okay. Um, which is the nicest way I've ever seen somebody ask to raw dog. Like, <laughs> you know, on screen. <laughs> You know, I, I hate those condoms. You can make this is the most romantic way to be like, I could uh, not wear a condom. Yeah. Yeah. I, cause that was another big plot point that I was like, I need to make sure I'm getting this right because then it makes sense why later things happen in the film. How are we spending 15 minutes on before them being dead? Well, I mean, it's important. We're setting the stage. Anyways, there's an evil fucking dog in town. Yeah. He runs them off the road and then kills them. <laughs> was it the same dog that when they were driving past that yes. person's house, like the dog just like they almost hit him in the car? Yep. 
Yeah, yeah. I think he wanted revenge. Yeah, for sure. Is uh, now the dog uh, doesn't come back, but I'm pretty sure he's the main antagonist of the film. So I kept waiting for a cutscene back to the dog after they died. Like, yes. Okay, there were only like fifty feet out of town, being on the covered bridge. No one could get. No one hears that car accident in the middle of the day in the small town that everyone's outside and tries to help. Yeah. Also, their windows were literally open, and so it's not like, like if you could unbuckle. First of all, when they were teetering on the edge of falling off of that bridge, they should have both unbuckled their seatbelts immediately. Which also, if well, this was '88, were they even wearing seatbelts? I think they were disoriented. Like they kind of have a, a shot where they're like recovering from smacking their head into their dash from not wearing seatbelts. Well, then they should have been able to get out of that car because yeah, the you know, front of the car actually... didn't hit anything in the water. Therefore, yeah. they should have just been able to be like, "Whoop! My window's wide open. Let me just swim out of the car." Well, it flips upside down. This does. Uh, this movie did end up inspiring quite a few changes in the automotive industry. It's kind of a, it's more of like a social commentary uh, right. on what happens when you die from a car accident. They um, drown to death. They do drown to death, uh, or rather, they they just appear back at home at some point in time, and they're soaked. And they're like, "Wait, how did we even get back home?" And they start to notice weird things going on around the house and there's like a manual that says uh what is it handbook for the recently deceased yep um uh, at one point in time alec baldwin attempts to leave the house and he disappears into sort of a weird nether realm uh a desert world place where he's attacked by a sandworm then he yeah. gets back into the house and they realize oh shit we're dead they read the recently deceased handbook do they um, though well they try to read it and they keep talking about how poorly it's written and i'm like i don't know every time they read a line i'm like well that makes sense i guess so i feel like okay these people realize that they're dead right and they then realize that these people are moving into their house that they probably don't want living in their house why do they not immediately read that entire handbook from start to finish and also even if they don't immediately do it they act like it's like an impossible like they they flip through it backwards a couple of times they're like i just can't do it and you're like you literally have eternity to read this yeah there's like multiple times where they talk about how long it's been like there's no way the house was sold in a day they would have read the whole at one point in time they do say it's like a few weeks right yeah when they get to the the like uh agents or whatever um place they said they were waiting in line for like two months but or three months or something but then she also said it's been two months since you died yeah um so a lot of time passes that they clearly would have read the book, which yeah. is like a huge oversight of them being lazy. They have nothing else to do. I, They're dead. I do want to talk, and I know we go back to this realm a couple times. I think the like hellscape or whatever it's supposed to be is really cool. Yeah. Like, I think, I mean, obviously there's a lot of Tim Burton-y pieces of this movie that I'm sure we'll get into, but that whole other realm is super interesting I in, think it's, in my mind. Uh, yeah, I think it's done really well. I'm also... Very confused why they look normal. I think the idea like is I know that she like, said something about like the yeah, it's it's how circumstances of how you died or whatever, but like they can't be the only people who died via car crash and then subsequently well, they would drowned. Be like more blue too, I feel like. Yeah, they don't look I think if this was a modern movie, they might have gone out of their way to make them up in a way that like reflected how they died. Yeah. Um, 
However, like maybe they're just constantly wet. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, if I was around Alec Baldwin, I'd be constantly wet. But that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> My memoir, constantly wet. Um, but more importantly, I think it's probably just they had to consider like makeup budgets and stuff. Like, who are we going to have these people done up? in a way that where they look dead for the whole film that would be my best guess uh, as to why they maybe didn't go forward doing that i don't think it really would have added if they looked weird the entire film because like a lot of this movie depends on the kind of body horror of like it's obviously like kind of comical body horror but like how all these other dead people look so like it, it would have been a bit distracting if oh, the yeah. main people looked ridiculous well, already. And, yeah, I don't think my problem is that the main people didn't look ridiculous. It's that literally nobody else. Right. I they, guess their agent looked normal, except for the slit in her throat. Yeah, I mean, people who like committed suicide and stuff. Which, yeah, apparently if you but commit like, suicide, you're... I think <laughs> that's probably one of the best jokes of the movie. Yeah. Where at one point in time, Otho is like, ah, yes, I, you know, if you die, you'll be a civil servant after you die. And they all laugh about it. And then you flash back to that scene. And it's like, oh, they all committed suicide. Yep. Yeah. Like the guy who was flattened, I guess, must have jumped in front of a bus. Yeah. Um, there was the other guy who was hanging from a noose. Yeah, there was a few of them where you're like, oh, this is how they died. Or, yeah. yeah, that was a pretty good joke. Yeah. I also don't understand why the girl looks like a mermaid. Yeah, I don't get why they're. That one was a little weird. There's like, a lot of just because people. you slit your wrist doesn't mean you're a mermaid. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, I don't know. But the guy who got run over by a bus just looked like he literally got run over by a bus. He's feeling a little flat today. Yeah, he's like, uh, <laughs> they don't have any mirrors down here. <laughs> I'm feeling a it's... little flat today. <laughs> that was like the perfect. Like, I feel like that guy was absolutely a dad because that was a dad joke for sure. That's Matt's uh, end of meal. When he cleans his entire plate and the server comes over and says, oh, did you like everything? And Matt says, oh, my God, no, I hated it every time. It's good. That'll be it's Matt when he's it's dead. Good it's good. Because it it's taking back control from the people who come up and tell you, oh, you must have hated it. It's like, no, fuck you. I make the jokes here. It kills every <laughs> you time. You bring me food. I make jokes. <laughs> uh, okay. So we've gotten several minutes into this film. So now they're dead. They've found the handbook for the recently deceased uh it's a, like it it's very i like the concept of it uh the, and to your point colleen as you said it's like it doesn't seem big enough to seem unfeasible to have read it uh the language doesn't seem that confusing and they are so wildly irresponsible with their one guide to being dead they just leave it out but all the time the, the, out and the about i would hold like... on to that thing so much they just leave it everywhere uh the first time so i guess we're get, we're jumping a little ahead so they die they uh putter around the house not reading this book that they really should be reading mm-hmm. uh then this new couple shows up because their relative jane this realtor is just like was chomping at the bit to sell the house when they were alive and so i wouldn't be surprised if she planted that dog Mm, if she was the dog okay well i mean i don't know it's like you think to yourself could anybody defeat that dog say in combat (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, guys, welcome to the podcast within a podcast. This is Punch Squad. Could you beat a Yorkshire Terrier? <laughs> Could you beat a York? Could you beat a murderous Yorkshire Terrier? The a Yorkshire is, Terrier with a taste for blood. Yeah, I mean that Yorkshire Terrier will deliver the killing blow. There's no way. There's no two ways about it. That Yorkshire Terrier saw them balanced on the edge of that board and, and said, "Stepped off." Yeah, he said, "What do you say to the god of death today?" And then he leapt off the board. So this is the first animal that we'll be facing off against that has a taste for human blood. Right, right, which I think is a big twist. This Yorkshire Terrier has claimed two lives in 1988. So who knows how many people have been killed by this dog. Now, admittedly, yes, the dog is dead. <laughs> so that's good. We already kind of won. But now the dog is a ghost. <laughs> oh, could you punch ghost dog? Well, okay, so my question here is, is it a standoff like like we're in an arena together? We're in a we're in an arena. I don't know how to say that. So we're, we're in, in the dog's together. natural habitat. You're which in is rural this Connecticut. Town. Yeah, yeah. You're in rural Connecticut. So it could happen, but like, is there a planned fight time, or can it happen at any time? No. Remember the dog. The animal has the advantage. It's just in the environment. You have to find it. So it could it. do the same exact thing to me. Drive me off the road. Yeah, exactly. you might be driving to go punch this dog. And then it swerves in front of you and runs you off the road and kills you. Oh, yeah, and you, you know what the tactic could be for this dog also that's even better is it sends other animals in front of your car first so that because like if you're in the mind state like, yeah, I got to go kill this fucking murderous dog and you keep driving and you just run over the fucking animal. You're like, yeah, fuck you. But like if it's just sending cats and other innocent dogs in front of the car mm-hmm. and then suddenly it pops up. But at this point, you're so used to swerving around all the innocent animals, you don't even, you swerve off the yeah. road and you die. I have it, this Yorkshire Terrier could have a series of elaborate disguises. I'm miles You go to the barber shop and the guy's talking to you. You don't even realize till the gun's pressed to your back of the head that he was just saying bark the whole time. Yep. <laughs> yep. And he's what? got, this dog's got 12 years of practice. So he's got a body count that's a mile high. Mm. What's you're, your I, miles I'm ahead of me? I'm so far ahead of this dog. I hire a taxi. Say, I need to get. Taxi. I need to get into this town. A taxi? Mm-hmm. How wh- in the rural Connecticut? There's tax. There's cab companies. All right. Well, hire, Matt's Matt's willing to spend a cool hundo on killing yeah, this I, dog. I I hire a car. <laughs> I say, actually, let me out here, but take my bags to the B and B. Okay. I send the cab without me in it. The dog oh, can't okay. resist. Mm. Runs the cabbie off the road. Taste for a blood. Right. He's not going to change his plans. And. As he's standing on the board, I'm sprinting up. And as he goes for the killing blow, I sock this dog. Sure, the cabbie dies. Falcon punch him. (laughs) You're like... You said that you said the fucking cabbie's family an edible arrangement. You've already said it. Attached to the cab driver, the cab. There's no. I, I can't think of a way to punch the dog and save the cabbie. It was you or the, it was you or the cabbie. Right. So could have been both of us. You let him go. I mean, there's nothing against the rules of that in Punch Squad, right. as we've established. So, so that dog does not see me coming. Okay, so the, the classic cabbie defense. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a good one. It's a solid one. Uh, yeah, I think that's a really good way to beat this dog. Yeah. I don't know if I could. So uh, assuming getting to the town itself is impossible, right? Like, the, you got to get within the perimeter of the town. Okay, so you travel towards the town. Once you hit a certain perimeter, you've entered the dog's domain. Yeah. And now you know that at any point in time, this dog could be hunting you. 
Uh, and that, in turn, you're hunting it. It's sort of like Predator. Yeah, who knows uh, how many covered bridges are in this town? It might have the advantage. Well, I'm my my main strategy here is I'm I don't like this because I don't stand by this normally but i'm gonna train a bigger batter dog who kills all dogs that it encounters you're all dogs there's no chance i can't take any chances (laughs) murder the dog it's just punch it hard oh is that it but the the bigger dog will help so the dog is gonna so the the evil dog is no, gonna you, kill you me to but kill i can't the kill the evil dog we're just no you gotta kill the dog that's the punch but squad, with man. punches you can't with punches ultimately but she just needs to deliver the killing blow with okay the so then i'm gonna train an evil dog or you know i'm not Why gonna say it's evil. i'm training dog. a dog who's not murderous but what he's gonna do is every time he sees a dog he's gonna grab it by the throat throw it on the ground and wait for me to punch it <laughs> And then if it's not the dog, I will let it go, and I'll be like, "Okay, release," and it'll be like, "Ha I did such a good job." And then yeah, it's gonna get the dog. This is a dog. This is a hunting dog, essentially, yeah. but it's a dog hunting dog. It's a dog hunting dog, and it doesn't okay. ki- it doesn't go in for the kill. It just sets me up for the punch. Right. So you're pivoting from sort of the Michael Vick defense to to a newer. How sort are you of- getting to the town? The dog clearly knows how to take people and vehicles out. <laughs> Okay, yeah. So cars are kind of um, off the biking. table. I try. I bike into. The I road. taxi near the you have town. A sidecar, but for then your I get it. Dog? I get it. Well, no, it can run with me. I don't bike oh. that fast. So the bike, the dog is is running near my bike, and I, like I have enough control over a bike, right? If I swerve off of the road, like I can just hop off the bike. Like it's gonna be okay. I'm not gonna die. You're gonna yeah, stand you off put, on two you sides. You put of yourself the in prime neck biting area mm. but you've got your other dog to defend. well i've got my neck brace on yeah <laughs> of course of course, <laughs> of course. Uh, i love the idea it's like colleen biking into town she's wearing like a leather duster and this giant fucking like hellhound against a yorkie <laughs> yeah it's just pinning every dog grabbing it by the neck pinning it down and i'm like not that one not, not that, that one. one i like it but just to be safe <laughs> pretty pretty brutal but i like it yeah, I do I, I know murdered, what this? I murdered another human. Do I know what this dog looks like? Yeah, did you watch the movie? I mean, no, I meant like comedy. in real life. He's like, that, but with more grace. In real life, like, do I know what my opponent looks like? Yeah, Have I been given not, a mud? You better not take any, any. I think chances. we established on one of the other punch squads that you are given a dossier about yeah. your target. Okay, good. good so good. the FBI has been investigating this dog. They know this dog has been responsible for that murder, those murders, right? They've sent in five highly trained agents, all of them missing in action. You're next up in line. Well, then maybe I just trained my dog to recognize this dog, and then it doesn't have to be mean to any of the other dogs. I could see the training montage where you're making lifelike Here's the thing, though, Colleen. The longer you train... The higher the body count gets. Yeah. Why do people keep moving to this rural Connecticut town that's plagued by murder dog? Who's to say? <laughs> Why won't anyone in the town stop murder dog? Too afraid. They can't. I assume it's like an it situation where they're like they're kind of not aware of the dog. Yeah. Anoop, yeah. what's your strategy? Uh you know, part of me thinks join up with the dog. Mm-hmm. You know, give up on this whole punch squad thing, become the dog sort of new assistant but that's against the rules i think we can all agree <laughs> no but i 
if you gain the dog's trust, help it take out a couple families, blow up a couple bridges, who knows? The dog starts to let you get closer and closer. Yeah, so you're just deep undercover. You know what? We're going for the big hit. We're blowing yeah. up the George Washington Bridge, and I want you there with me. Help <laughs> yeah. me drive there. And then you say, hey there, Yorkie, we're going to go punch the president. No, hey, we're going to kill the president. Hey, 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 Yorkie, I love this song on the radio as we're going to drive to New York City. Can you turn it up with your mouth? And then he goes in for the bite. Wham. Also, Wham, I don't right. think it's a Yorkie. It isn't a Yorkie. Yorkies are white, right? Yeah, you're misremembering this adorable It's dog. some sort of terrier. It's some sort of terror is what it is. <laughs> Uh, I like that idea of gaining its trust. I think one area that we haven't really acknowledged is treats. I feel like if I just have some treats, I could probably just punch this dog while it's eating the treats. Yeah, it is a dog. It's still a dog. It may be our least sophisticated opponent yet, even though it's murder. Well, no, it is is a murderer. We've established that. Can we just talk about how I just Googled, this isn't great for our audio listeners, but I just Googled Beetlejuice dog. Oh, no, that's adorable. <laughs> it's just a dog in a Beetlejuice costume. That's, yeah, that's everything. <laughs> Stop the podcast. We're just going to beam a picture of this to your phone. Don't ask us how we got We're your We're going to beam a picture number. of this directly into your frontal lobe. Be prepared. <laughs> oh, God, it hurts. <laughs> it hurts. Some side effects include nosebleed. <laughs> okay. So right, dogs- well, this is a good punch squad. Yeah, one hit KO. Oh, yes, yes. Thus, thus concludes the punch squad. I think we've all established that we could probably defeat this dog, but Multiple there will strategies. be... Yeah, someone will die. Yeah. People will die. Casualties There's going to be lost life. Yeah, Colleen, Matt's going for the more direct. I'm going to sacrifice one man. He's a classic trolley problem. Mm. Uh, that's so Matt's sort of utilitarian gambit there. Yeah. Khalid saying, yeah, I'm going to train this elite killer dog. It's going to take time. So more people are going to die during that. Mm. Uh, and I'm using the classic sort of, uh, treats defense. Okay. Before we, before we get off the punch squad, we have two dogs that are examples of Colleen's dog training abilities. I would hire a professional. Okay. Yeah. Just making <laughs> yeah. sure. I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not capable of saying no to a dog. <laughs> You're gonna. It's gonna be like. Uh, it's gonna be like the li- Hobbs and Shaw, and you're gonna have to work with Michael Vick. <laughs> I need you. Like, We've been. been he's gonna be for behind so a glass long. cell. Michael Vick's wearing a muzzle. I think he's not in jail, but that's fine. Wait, I don't think he did what do we think? Time. What 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 would happen with the punch squad if it if I had to choose either Felix or Gustav as the dog as the dog to train? Gonna, who would choose? Uh, Felix would just lick the dog to death. Yeah, you can't. Fe- that that dog. That dog will probably get Felix on his side. Yeah, Felix will be like, okay. I don't know. <laughs> Felix would say. never hurt me. Mm. Gustav, though, mm. I think he could turn. I feel like Goose has the killer instinct, though. Oh, absolutely. Goose has inflicted wounds on others, so he knows. Yeah, it's Goose in would there. be the one. Oh, yeah. If I'm gonna train, but I don't know if I could train the. I don't know. The Maybe the problem- dog would just want to hump Gustav, and then he'd be like, no, and then he'd kill it. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the real problem is that Goose could, if that other dog baited Goose into killing another person, then Goose would very quickly develop the taste for murder as well. Oh, now yeah. you've got two dogs. Now one, you're connected to one of them. Yeah, one of which you're connected to. Can you really punch Gustav square in the face? And then yeah. can I even imagine 
punching Goose. I can't even. Or and or the, any harm coming to him. He's the I'm perfect I'm telling boy. you, now that there's two of them, the fate of the world is in the balance here. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't punch Gustav square in the face, it's over. Nobody else is going to be able to stop them. Seal Team 6, they're already gone. I mean, have you, team two. have you looked directly into his eyes? They're so cute. I don't even yeah, want to talk and about be Beetlejuice. I have a lot to murder. think about. <laughs> That's it. That's it, folks. We're done. End of Punch Squad. <laughs> okay. Dog murders them. They're ghosts. They live in their house for a little bit. They seem pretty bored pretty quickly, which makes sense. I guess you're trapped in your home. Uh, would be a good time to read. This new family moves in. It's a real estate executive from new york city who's looking to get away from the busy city life his wife is a, er, a sculptor a terrible sculptor yeah a nightmarish sculptor a sculptor that only tim burton could dream of yeah. his, and his his wife we're also not mentioning who it is we said Catherine o'hara it's Catherine o'hara and she's perfection and i can't oh not picture her such a good job in this movie actually the whole family I'm yeah, very impressed. The whole family is great. Yeah, they're great, but I fucking love Catherine O'Hara. And she plays, I mean, I, I, you've watched Shit's Creek, right? Yeah. She plays such a good, just like, uppity holier person. than thou, uppity character. She's so fucking good at it. Right. And, and you know, I think a very subtle touch that's in this movie with this family is that they don't like each other. But they don't hate each other so much that you're like, why do you even, like, this family should have collapsed. Yeah. It's like, they, they're just like, there's things that they don't like about each other, but they are vaguely kind of nice to each other. Mm-hmm. Enough where you're like, oh, okay. And, and I was really worrying because obviously I didn't know the end of the movie. I was like, these guys don't seem evil enough for them to then die later in the movie, which is what I was assuming would happen. Yeah, that would be a very Tim Burton-esque ending, right? Like, they die. Right. And then also go to the spectral realm or whatever it yeah. is. But yeah, uh, Winona Ryder is very good in this movie. It's a baby. A, yeah, she's a wee lass. She's like seventeen in this film. Yeah, she seems younger. Has she to aged? Be no, she does look very similar. Well, yeah. she's in Edward Scissorhands. Like, looks exactly the same in that movie. Like Stranger Things, Winona Ryder, and Beetlejuice, Winona Ryder. Same fucking, like, maybe a 10-year difference. But really, yeah. it's like a 30-year difference. It's not that high. Yeah. 20 it's, difference. it's much higher, but it doesn't, it doesn't look that much higher. Like, you can convince me Winona Ryder and Stranger Things is like post-college Winona Ryder. Yeah, yeah. I'm totally with you. Yeah. yeah. Um, they move in. Uh, they're very like uppity and want to remodel the whole house and uh the and by they you are... mean Catherine o'hara Catherine o'hara wants to remodel the whole house i mean let's just, let's give them some credit the house is awful yeah it is it is awful that's the thing they're not wrong for wanting to remodel but alec baldwin and sorry jen what are their jenna their... davis jenna davis. davis what jean davis Gina. what are their character names uh 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 al Adam and Barbara. Adam Barbara. and Barbara are so attached to this awful house. It's truly terrible. Exactly. And they, okay, and it's not even like they could be like, it's perfect. We did so much work on it. No, you took a two-week vacation where you were going to do work on it, and then you died. Yeah. So they haven't really changed 
anything no. much. But they're obsessed with it. Yeah. So they come in and start remodeling the house and they're terrified of what's going on. And they've they've learned that they have the ability to be ghosts and haunt these yeah. people. But that they can't see them. Right. And nothing seems to be working because like they do all these gruesome things like ripping their face off and yeah. like chopping someone's head off. And since the people don't think there are ghosts in the house, they can't see the ghosts. Yeah. So right. except for you get the part where they're remodeling the house and the couple... The dead couple's up in the attic looking out. Oh, right. Their home base is the attic so of this house. They're looking out of the window, and then Winona Ryder's there taking photos of the house or whatever, and she looks up, and she sees them, and these people yeah. are like, holy shit, she, she, did, did she just see us? Right. And then yeah. the horrible real estate agent gives Winona Ryder a master key to the house and tries to get into the attic hey you underage person can i trust you to do the right thing with this like no you can't in any real life scenario yes you could that person would give the key immediately to but it's parents. a movie matt no i mean yeah she would have given it to winona Ryder. also hell no completely... if you're okay but if you're 17 or no she's not even 17 right because like you're 18 when you go to college and they show her later going to school so she's got to be playing like a 15 year old person you're 15 years old you move into a new spooky house that you now know is haunted and they give you a skeleton key that gets into every fucking room in that house. There's no way that I would give that to my parents. You're no, wanting to a million find, years. You're not. You don't want to find the spooks. I want to. Well, she does because she's a weird fuck. You don't want to find. Oh the yeah, spooks. we forgot to mention. If you haven't seen Beetlejuice, Winona Ryder plays a very like gothic kind of character. Very dark. Yeah. Very spoopy. Yeah. At least one point eight spoops. Um, <laughs> so so she fails to get into the attic they are like oh we need to figure this out we need to do something they realize they can get help by going to the nether world yeah. afterlife and talking they they're entitled to some help they don't know what it means right so they leave first instance of them leaving behind the very important book very dumb they go into the afterlife uh, they end up in this office. Very funny sequence. They're with a bunch of other dead people who've all died in kind of interesting ways. Um, one woman has been cut in half. Another man seems to have vertebrae in the front of his neck. I don't know what happened to him. No, I think uh, that he, guy swallowed a chicken bone. That was my is guess. what it's supposed uh, to look like. That, but it's, that makes Tim sense. Food is very fucked up in this world. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it is. We could get to it later. But I think just to mention... A few times before this Beetlejuice has made it like apparent, like, hey, I can help you. Like, there's a flyer in their book that says his name. And they but see they the, don't say it right either. Right. No, they right. think it's like Beetlegeist or yeah. something. And they yeah, see the TV guys. ad where he doesn't say his name in it. And they don't really get like what to do. And then they go through the door. Right. Then they go through the door. They meet their caseworker very funny scene just a bunch of bureaucrats around yeah uh there's a lady at the front desk who's very snarky there's a guy who appears flattened who's very snarky um the football team bit is pretty funny too. i like the concept that anyone who's i don't like, think we made it through this crash coach. <laughs> you don't think <laughs> what gave it away yeah i i like yeah. the idea that anyone who's like been suspended or hung is like carried around on like a on track a noose, yeah. yeah like yeah <laughs> Like, that's part of just who There's you are just now. 
so the scenes are so dense, which is classic Burton, where it's just like everything is going on and we're just like we're gonna pack the scene with like stuff you can look at if you feel like working yeah looking at it yeah i feel like Uh, you could watch this scene this specific scene like three or four times and get something different out of it every time right yeah the world is just like so weird and perverted and off angle and like it's just rewarding to watch and like kind of visually fun um very burton-esque yeah and speaking of burton-esque they in talking to their caseworker appear back in their house and it's been completely remodeled so it turns out they've been stuck waiting for months to speak yeah. to their caseworker and the whole remodel is also so burton like just weird like future yeah modern type stuff it's just like so off-putting something that i would right. absolutely like fuck around within the sims you know yeah, that kind of is what the whole house looks like post the remodel. It's yeah. like a weird Sims experiment. Like they have like pieces of the home going off from the home with no roof and like bunch of weird sculptures yeah, because weird. Catherine O'Hara is a sculptor. Yeah. Um and the caseworker explains that is this when she explains who Beetlejuice is? Yeah. Yes, she does fully explain who Beetlejuice is and she's like, You can't trust these guys. this guy he's very dangerous he's like rogue and he's he'll like fuck up your life essentially yeah uh i guess you're dead okay yeah they're like oh okay we won't do that then and then they go back and they go back to the world of the living right Mm -hmm. um they're in the meantime lydia has read the handbook uh, and so she now knows more about being dead than they do. Um, yeah, you're like, okay, you guys are two fully grown fucking adults and you couldn't, and you've had two months to read this book and you haven't been able to. Yet yeah, this like 15 year old girl reads it in the two months that you're gone and fully comprehends it. Right. So they come back, they put on blankets. This scene is also very funny where it's just like nobody is interested that they're around. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the dad is like, what are you not? You're not doing anything. And the mom's on value. <laughs> she, the the dad is pissed. He's like, yeah, you're going to you spooked me and your mom's going to be mad. You cut holes in her three hundred dollar sheets. Yeah. Yeah. And then the mom is asleep. She's on a date with Prince Valium, which is a which very is an amazing line. Such a good line. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then Lydia reveals. Yeah, I've read the book. Like, I know that you guys are ghosts um what's going on here and they are like they begrudgingly are kind of nice to lydia and they become friends a bit Mm -hmm. um the couple now barbara and adam are talking and they're like well fuck it didn't work and they like they barely tried right they barely tried and so they summoned beetlejuice (laughs) don't they no they try one more time before they summon beetlejuice right okay i'm also what I don't get about the logic of the dead people is, like, they can have a full-on conversation in the house and nobody hears them, but they can go, and they hear that. Well, yeah, it's uh, only if it's spooky. Yeah, if, you, the, if, like, if your intent is spooky, you're good. No, the conceit is, like, it has to be something that someone would try to see or hear. So, like, ghosts are something that people would think are moaning and howling so that's what they hear but winona Ryder, who's read the book can just see them oh you also forgot to mention the best part of the movie which is where 
the ghosts, they're dressed up as in their sheets or whatever, and they're like, woo, and Winona Ryder's in the room below her parents and is like, ew, gross, oh. stop with the kinky sex stuff. I'm a child. Yeah. I'm a child. That was so, so fucking funny. Um, I thought that, isn't the dinner party before they summoned The dinner party is after this. Yeah. Right, no, yeah. the dinner party's after this, but I thought before Beetlejuice, because it's all... No, no, they summon Beetlejuice once. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. Okay. Yeah, and so that's why he shows up at the dinner party. So yeah, they summon Beetlejuice. He's a total ass. Michael Keaton is so good in this movie. Yeah. He's so over the top, so weird. I do not um, remember Beetlejuice being so perverted. <laughs> oh, he's super, super horny, yeah. man. He does. He just wants to smash everything. That is like the plot of Beetlejuice is that he's just super horny because that's how they trap yeah. him later. It's so funny. But I do yeah. not remember that. But he does such a good yeah, job. He's so good as Beetlejuice. Yeah. Uh, so apparently it was a big issue when they announced that he was going to be Batman because everybody's like, he's too funny to be Batman. Really? Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, he does a fine job as Batman, as I recall. I, I don't really remember it all that much. But I would really be intrigued to see Michael Keaton as the Joker. Mm. I think that would be really interesting. I didn't. Uh, I that's what I was thinking too when I was watching it. I was like, I feel like Beetlejuice is a pretty close character to the Joker. I don't know right. many Michael Keaton movies like besides Batman and Beetlejuice. Was he a comedic actor? Uh, I mean, you got me at Beetlejuice, Batman, and Birdman. Yeah, uh, and he's, he's Birdman got, is such a specific performance. Yeah, exactly. and then Spider-Man: Homecoming. Uh, I could see the lines between this and sort of the character he played in Spider-Man Homecoming, mm -hmm. where he's very good at, like, balancing comedy and menacing. Yeah. Um, uh, that worked really well in that movie. Oh, my uh, God. I guess he was. Okay. Uh, Beetlejuice, Birdman, Mr. Mom, uh, Multiplicity, uh, some Jack Frost. <laughs> Jack Frost. I'm trying to look at other ones. There's a Beetlejuice 2? Pacific Heights. I don't know. That was in the 90s. Toy Story. I mean, it seems like he goes he, he he goes both ways. Yeah. Yeah. But some of these he's pretty funny in. But he's so good as Beetlejuice. But yeah, you're right. He's It's weird because when they banish him, so you say his name three times to summon him and then say it three times again to banish him. Right. But he's banished yeah. to their model. But of did the they town. even say Beetlejuice three times? I thought that she just said home, home, home. She said home, home, home to get out of the model. Okay. Yeah. So they summon Beetlejuice into the model, like from the model, but they don't like fully release him. Right. They dig him up, right? Yeah. They dig him up. Um, and then he's, he offends them. So they just, they leave him there. They don't decide to use him. Uh, and they're like, we, we can scare them. We could try. And so the Dietzes, the Dietzes. Wait, I just want to interject here. I was really mad about this because it made Barbara look like a fucking bimbo. Like where she was like, we, they tried one. No, I think you're right. I think they tried one fucking thing, which is the sheets. They barely did anything for it. They really sucked at it. And then they're like, we need help. And then she's like, I'm going to call Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. And then she does not she's like, oh, wait, we could totally do this without him. I'm like, bitch. You could have done this all had you just spent two more seconds thinking about it. What a stereotypical yeah. woman. But And they had so many cool tricks before. Yeah. And but they I, didn't even try anything. Mm -hmm. I, I do. Read the fucking handbook, you dumbass bitch. Well, they, they 
are having trouble and this seems like a get out of jail free type situation like they don't know beetlejuice is that bad so i kind of get it they're also dead they've met one other dead person which is their like caseworker and the caseworker specifically was like oh and don't use beetlejuice and then two seconds after they tried something they were like "Mm, we need beetlejuice i'm not saying the logic is perfect but it's not that much of a like it's not the worst character moment it just makes me mad i wish it was alec baldwin that had made the decision so you want to take away her autonomy yeah wow god damn it no i just want the man to make the dumb decision okay alec baldwin makes some couple dumb decisions so you want the man to make all the decisions just the dumb (laughs) ones i want the i want barbara to be the one to be like hey you know that's not what i heard colleen and it's not particularly woke of you you know what what i'm saying anyways moving on um (laughs) everything you remember is racist and sexist and classist uh not too racist in this movie, admittedly. No colored people. I mean, in this it movie, is so. rural Connecticut. Maybe yeah. the most actually fair. Maybe That's the most realistic. believable part of the whole movie. Um, it's rural Connecticut, and there is not a single person of color in this movie. Well, name black one person. Are, there the is movies. The movers are one of the movers is black. Oh wow! Also racist. Yeah, not great. Not a hot look. I'll admit. Um, <laughs> Anyways. And I'm sure if Matt's punch squad was in this where he hires a cabbie, you know that cabbie would be played by an Indian person. I mean, you know, strictly speaking, and I I should be worried that Matt is willing to sacrifice an Indian person to to achieve his ends. It was 88. The cabbie absolutely would have been portrayed as an Indian person. You're getting louder the more racist the conversation gets. I'm worried. I'm not being racist. 88 was racist. Okay, sure. I'm not being racist. I'm just positing the racist things that this movie could have done. <laughs> if Matt had specified joy from them. before that, yeah, it's 1988 in this scenario, and I'm hiring a white cab driver, then I wouldn't have thought he was racist. That would also be racist. It would be racist of me to project what race the cab driver would no, have no. to be for it to no, not be racist. I think it's not only racist. Only white cab drivers. white cab drivers, please. No, I think it would not be racist if you you're like, I want my cab driver to be some bro named Chad. You know, we have too many bros named Chad. Just get rid of them. I think it's more racist. I lost you guys for a second. I think there. it's broist. I'm just yelling at Colleen for being a racist. Okay. Sorry to okay. our listeners named Chad. Let's talk about the dinner scene because I think this <laughs> yeah. is like one of the best in the whole movie. The dinner scene. So this is where I really think uh, Catherine O'Hara has a great performance with just her eyes of looking like very concerned about everything that's going on while doing this dance. She's perfection. I like it's it's a really it's a very entertaining scene, first of all. Yeah. Uh, let's let's okay, set it up. Wait, a little. you're skipping the setup to it, which is where they're at this dinner party and I don't remember how ghosts come up, but anyways, Otho makes a very, very not good comment about his partner wife i'm not sure um attempting suicide he like offhandedly is like mm-hmm, let's not make this another one of your silly suicide attempts and it's like whoa she needs serious help you should not be making it imagine imagine if i had attempted suicide and then we went to a dinner party and matt made that comment we'd be divorced by tomorrow morning yeah. and i'd have half of his shit he didn't sign that prenup. That was no, of course not. <laughs> uh, Why are you screaming at the microphone? 
despite my urgings otherwise. I actually brought him one on his wedding day. I was like, I wrote this up. It says in the, in the uh, event of divorce, everything goes to a noob, which is weird, but there you go. It's better. <laughs> it's better than the alternative. He'll split it up as he sees fit. Um, you know, it's not bad. Yeah, I felt like this um, scene was just so bad. It was just so... It was very, I mean, but also Up until the dance. he's supposed to be a terrible person. Yeah. No, I um, like, I think it works, the whole scene where it's like, she's, her. it's her art dealer, right? And Otho and her, his partner. Yeah. And they're like. No, 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 it's the art dealer and his partner. Oh, yeah. I think that they like, hint that Otho is gay. Gotcha. But they don't get into it. And yeah. it's like an insult. It's like, oh, that he might be gay is right. an insult okay. to him. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I think the whole scene leading up to it is good, where it's like, she's trying to be like, oh, look at this work I've done. Don't you love this place? All this stuff. And it's like so terribly awkward. Yeah. And she like yeah. shoots and a look. Lydia says the one interesting thing all night, which yeah. is that I've seen ghosts. Right. And then she tries and... to squash the subject and the husband interjects. And then she starts talking. But instead of talking, it's singing. Yeah. It's the song Jump in Line Jump in by line. Harry Belafonte. And it's very, it's a very entertaining scene. <laughs> yeah, they do this whole dance, silly. and there's like no, it's like the whole song. It feels like where they're just like, it's like a lot of the song, right. yeah, for sure. It's Pup- not just like a quick interjection, yeah, puppeted. And then they sit down, and you're like, oh wow, like they were possessed. That's scary. And then the fucking shrimp turns into a grab them by the face yep. and like slam them into the table, and then. <laughs> Also, I'm glad they did something with that shrimp because when I was looking at it, I was like, I get that this is Tim Burton and like things need to look weird, but this is so obscene. It's so it's weird. So looking. weird. Looking. The whole time you're like, you would never serve that to anybody. No. Yeah. Those shrimp look so gross. And then, and then they sense. turn into hands and grab people. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, good. Also, good. like that, uh, that would have been the end of this dinner party. Yeah. I mean, any non-movie, right? Like everyone would have shat their pants at the table and... Yeah. Yeah, Fleed. I think this is like sort of the the most Tim Burton-y turn in the movie, but also something that I love, which is that instead of hating it, they're all just delighted by it. Yeah, and they, they should. Lydia comes upstairs and she's like, "They loved it, and they want you guys to do it again." And you're just like, "This is a very well made movie in that way." In that sort of, that's not expected that they would then be like, we love it. Let's have a party. Yep. Come, we want well, to negotiate with them. Yeah, to- like, let's have a party, but also let's learn how to, let's let's figure out how to profit off of it. That's How to profit off yeah. this, which is such a good take on it. It right? is. And it's funny, too, because, like, at that moment, I was like, okay, it kind of makes sense where Lydia gets her weird... Like, not that her parents are that weird, but, like, a nor- like you'd imagine, like, a normal parent in that situation would be like oh look at my gothic daughter and then uh, oh my god holy fuck there's ghosts in our house we need to leave immediately and instead of it they're yeah. like oh my gosh how charming yeah they're just so, yeah it's such an interesting take on it uh so they obviously adam and barbara are like no so they bust into the attic upstairs mm-hmm. and uh adam and barbara aren't there and so they try to convince them that they've just left Otho steals, again, the second instance of not paying enough attention to this fucking handbook. So Otho is able to steal recently the guy, the handbook, and uh, they're fucked, right? So they come back in. 
they're like, oh, we fucked up. We need to go. Like, I, I don't know what to do. Um, meanwhile, the dad convinces like an old business partner of him his to come to the town to see ghosts right uh for the first time or to see that ghosts exist and prove the afterlife and it's like colleen said it's all about making money it's all about like finding out what's gonna happen Mm -hmm. next right um the the barbara and adam go back to the spectral world to get another bit of advice and juno's like i can't believe so beetlejuice is like taunting them and then a magical strip club appears and they're like well we didn't make this and juno pulls them into the afterlife doesn't, and it's like i can't believe you summoned beetlejuice doesn't the first use of beetlejuice happen like when he's a snake before the- oh yes yes so the snake only makes them more delighted and they banish deep so yeah so the family loves the snake part too right like they they are demoralized that they don't scare them they ask beetlejuice for help he turns into a snake and terrifies like otho and almost kills the dad yeah right well i think beetlejuice does they don't ask beetlejuice for help right he just goes and does it beetlejuice is able to just affect them they don't actually summon beetlejuice again like they've written him off entirely but then he appears as a snake and torments the family and then they're even further committed to being like oh we can't use beetlejuice he's a monster right um yeah, they then especially once they like yeah. almost kill the people because that's like what they're not trying to do. They banish him one more time to the model home. Beetlejuice starts ask, asking where he could get some action, and then a horror house appears in the model. <laughs> like, why did yeah. you build that? It's like I did. Yeah, they really, uh, they really lead into the whole whorehouse thing. Yeah, <laughs> they say the word whorehouse several times, and I'm like, okay, we get it, guys. Right. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, Juno pulls them over to the other side and says, like, you need to just try harder to be scarier because getting Beetlejuice involved won't help. Yeah. In the meantime, Lydia, after being scared by Beetlejuice, has decided that she's going to kill herself. Yep. <laughs> Big jump, Lydia. Maybe calm down. Yeah, decides she wants to be on the other side. Um, yeah. Uh, Adam and Barbara put on their best scary faces, which is like... One of the scenes I remember most from this movie yeah. is like when they're in the office, like stretching their face into these horrific images. Right. So it looks good. Such a Tim Burton move. It's creepy. Yeah, creepy. It's, it's very good. It's very well made, like practical effects. Yeah. yeah. Most of the effects in this movie are very practical. So they, they pretty much hold up. Um, they come back. They scare Lydia by accident very briefly, but Lydia's... Like, oh, I was going to kill myself. And Barbara's like, you can't kill yourself. That's so stupid. It's not a good idea. And she's like, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. I'm like, really labile here, Lydia. Yeah. <laughs> Get it together. Um, uh, yeah, and they, they talk her out of it. But, of course, Otho. O- Ortho? Otho. 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 The goddamn idiot is like, oh, I've read the book. I could get them back so we could... Make sure to impress your old boss. Right. So they bring the boss to town. Uh, Otho is like, well, I can summon them. And he does a seance. He summons them, but they start to die. Can we also talk uh, about why this book, a handbook for the recently deceased, would have anything about bringing themselves back to life? 
It's a good question. Like, I think maybe that it would be exist. like, hey, if you see this happening, kill the person so they don't exercise you from your house. Yeah, but why would they? Hey, if you see this happening and here's a step by step guide on how to do it. Well, I imagine the guide, whatever he did was very jerry-rigged because it doesn't really work. Like, they start to die almost immediately the second he does it. So whatever spell he's using also has fucked up yeah, to some well, extent. I, I was reading a plot synopsis and it said he thought it was a seance, but it's actually an exorcism. So, like, the reason they disappear and become voiceless is because they're getting banished from the house and that's like what they're oh, showing oh okay. that makes more sense so like that's where it, I, I still don't know why how to perform an exorcism would be in the book yeah but yeah so in, in it's full details okay so that makes more sense okay so Otho's accidentally killing them which Lydia's like well fuck I guess I gotta Lydia does make a good decision at one point in time before they come back from Juno's She's talking to Beetlejuice and she's like, no, you don't seem very trustworthy. I'm not going to use you for help. But now she's desperate. Yep. And so she goes to Beetlejuice and Beetlejuice is like, okay, right, cool, I'll help. Uh, but you got to marry me to do it because he's not only a fucking horn dog, he's a pedophile. No, so <laughs> absolutely. But yeah, especially considering he's what, 400 <laughs> years old? That's like, no, so, but I mean, she's 15, so it's fine. Legal in Connecticut. I look, no. Um, what he's he well if he's 400 years old he's like hey we didn't have these age limits when i was he's born. like i'm going around the around the horn we're almost there okay yeah what is, statutory just like it was in twilight he's he's like before in back in my day we'd yeah. have four kids by the time we were 16 so yeah he talks about how he has to do it right like that's how he breaks his curse which makes yeah. no sense what is i think he's just making it up I really like. So? I thought about this after the fact. I think Beetlejuice just wants to like take this girl. Like it's just a malicious thing. Okay, and so he's lying and he's making it up as like, oh, I have this curse and you need to marry me so that you won't be too suspicious. Yeah, I like that. Um, that's a good good thought. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise, it doesn't make a ton of sense. It's not really established. If that was true, I think it requires like more movie. Yeah. Um. Anyways. So he does that. He cancels the ritual. Barbara and Adam start to come back in their normal ghost forms. Uh, and then Beetlejuice is like, okay, let's get married. Uh, and he swaps um, Lydia into this red wedding dress, which inspired a hundred Halloween costumes mm -hmm. it, for, for years to come. Thousands of Halloween costumes for years to come. It's a look. I'll give her that. It's a look. It is a look. And then uh, who would have guessed? The sculpture has come to life. Yeah, the, the super creepy Tim Burton sculptures come to light Whoa. and kidnap the Dietzes to make them witness for this wedding. And then Barbara and Adam are like, well, we need to stop Beetlejuice. So they run downstairs. There's a great sequence where they're trying to say his name three times and they're being very incompetent. <laughs> Just say it fast. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Done. Yeah. Beetle. Yeah. Be so, Beetle. oh, we need to say his name, Beetle. I know I just ran into this room, but yeah, Adam gets shrunk down into the model, and yeah. Barbara also doesn't prevent him from talking. Yeah, I don't know. Could say Beetlejuice is a tiny. Well, person. does he have his teeth? Because he gets his teeth. I also not have. Oh, teeth. he does get his teeth. Done. All right, Beetlejuice. Yeah, Beetle still say it's still possible. Yeah. But and then Barbara gets her mouth zipped shut, then bolted shut, and mm -hmm. then gets banished to the like extra. 
yeah. demonic realm. And then she comes uh, in riding a sandworm. Yeah, I don't really get how yeah. that works. What, she just tamed one in like two seconds? She did when you're motivated. Yeah. I, well, no, time goes way faster outside. They talk about that because she's like, you were gone for two hours oh. when you like stepped so off. So really, she probably spent like a day, a day training yeah. this sandworm. Interesting. Anyway, we, we didn't talk about when Beetlejuice... I think one of the coolest scenes in the movie is like Beetlejuice's arrival to the house party where he's wearing the carousel hat and he's got the like giant Two arms. coiled up arms. Yeah. yeah. And he kills the Maitland. Yeah. Does he kill the Maitland? He, if you launch someone through a floor of a house... It's got to kill yeah. him. The Maitlands are definitely... Or not the Maitlands. The Maxi, his boss. Yeah. yeah. The Maitlands are the, the main character. Sorry. But yeah, he kills his boss and his boss's wife uh which is pretty it's a funny scene it's very it feels like something out of it well yeah they're so bemused and captivated they're like oh what we came to see like more spiritual things and like we love it we love this carnival and then they get launched through a floor (laughs) yeah it's very timber where he's like i think the whole message being like oh you can't just like fetishize all this weird stuff like it's weird and it's a little dangerous yeah. and you can't just be like into you can't commodify it all uh but it, yeah so beetlejuice gets rid of them great scene uh they defeat beetlejuice by eventually feeding him to a sandworm yep which is some doomed shit uh and then the theses decide to be cool after that yeah yeah and by cool you mean completely hands-off parents who let ghosts raise their daughter it's like their dream yeah yeah it seems about right it's like really shitty parenting but i guess the adam and barbara get their dream of well they wanted a a kid yeah because they couldn't yeah so also i find it very i would uh if ghosts could be my parents and just like lift me up in the air ghosts could be my parents sounds like a shitty teen novel (laughs) (laughs) If ghosts could be my parents. Well, like, she gets home from school. This is the cut scene. She rides her bike home from school, which is adorable. Then she gets home, and she's like, not her parents, but the ghosts are like, how was school today? How'd you do on your test? Blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, I aced my math test. And then she's like, can we do it? And then they, like, hoist her up into the air, and she's, like, dancing and singing the whatever that song is that they did during the dinner party um, while she's like floating in midair. And I'm like, first of all, yeah. that's fucking cool as shit. And then her, her dad, her actual dad, who should be raising her, hears the song playing. is like, oh, she must have gotten an A on her math test. It's like, wow, way to be a D student in parenting. <laughs> hey, you know. You can at least go downstairs and be like, hey, congrats on the math test. And then go back upstairs. I mean, but as a father, if the, if a new dad with magic powers comes into the picture, what are you supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. You're never <laughs> you gonna live up. When, uh, new, and, and he's Alec Baldwin. Yep. So how do you win that one? <laughs> that- Eternally beautiful, Alec Baldwin in his prime forever. So looks forever. good. The epilogue does have my favorite scene for Beetlejuice too, where he's in the waiting room for like the caseworkers and yeah. his ticket says like nine million something and he looks up at the counter and it ticks to two and he tries to steal the number four or whatever from yeah 
Oh, I love that scene. The witch doctor is a weird touch. Yeah. I'll be honest. Yeah, it's it a little a little much. culturally troubling in a way, but um, I thought that joke was going to go a different way. Yeah. I'm fine with the way it went, but I thought they were he was going to switch the numbers, and then he'd look up and number nine million would pop uh, up yeah. on the thing and the witch doctor would go. That's kind of what I thought and, too. And then I remembered what happened, but yeah, I, I think that would have been a better end. Yeah. If it had been that where it's just, cause um, like you're basically just in a, in a place of chaos. So I think that would have made more sense if they were like, all right, we are on number three. All right. And now we're on number 9 million something. And you're like, Oh yeah. Cause this is, this isn't the real world. It's okay to do things however right, the fuck you right. want i think it would be sillier than just like oh the witch doctor shrinks his head but i i do think his attitude is great up until the end where it's like oh yeah uh, m- maybe this is a good yeah, look for me it's so good <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah i wonder because he's like uh it, it reminded me a lot of robin williams as the genie hmm. where you're like i wonder how much they just let this guy run yep. and see what he said like how scripted oh, was so Beetlejuice? Much. Yeah, um i feel like it was very improv yeah, it's such a great character, and it is weird that this movie ends basically on a dance number or like a music number, with like the. I think that's it. very of its time. Yeah, yeah, just like yeah. fades. But it out. is it is an interesting choice. Yeah. I kept waiting for, for the sure. fade out to like the dog winking. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, you were never going to have children. Beetlejuice. We did this on purpose. Yeah, because you have no worth if you can't care for a child. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I like this movie. Yeah, I thought it held up. It's so Tim Burton-y. Yeah. Like, like if they redid it today, I don't think there's... There's a couple of jokes they could have probably left out that are less culturally sensitive. Uh, But I think overall, it was really good. I think... um, the graphic like the the effects and stuff were pretty good for, considering it was mm-hmm. 88 i think even if you read it today i don't think tim burton would do it very differently than he did no that's the problem i think if you read it today there would be so much bad cgi it would just lose some of the like charm of well how... i don't know if tim burton would do bad cgi willy wonka i mean yeah also uh the dumbo was Dumbo Tim Burton? Yeah. Was it? Oh, I didn't know he that. He remade Dumbo. Uh, but I thought Dumbo was good. I, People liked Dumbo. I heard mixed things. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, I was thinking of Alice in Wonderland. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about also, that. Also, somehow Johnny Depp would be in it and fuck that guy. And Helena Bonham Carter, who's good. Yeah. Who's good, yeah. Helena Bonham Carter. She wouldn't have had a good character be... in this one. She other would than Lydia. She probably have been the mom. I think she would, well... In reality, she probably would have been the mom. I think she would slot in perfectly as that lady at the front desk. Or the caseworker. Uh, Either of those would have worked. The caseworker, maybe. I think she could do a pretty serviceable um, as the realtor, Jane. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, think, uh, I, I think she probably would get a main character role, and that might not be the best choice. I think Winona Ryder could still pull off Lydia. <laughs> Yeah, probably. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny. Because she is just very clearly a grown woman. And Michael Keaton <laughs> and could like... absolutely still pull off Beetlejuice. Yeah. Oh, well, Michael Keaton, yeah. No need to recast. You couldn't recast that. No. If they did a remake, they have to do it while he's available to do a remake. Yeah, yeah it's so good. Uh, 
it's very much his character. So, uh, needless to say, Beetlejuice would be played by Will Smith. Uh, <laughs> I think that's a given. <laughs> Anoop, as, as your first time seeing it, what did you think? I thought it was really good. I mean, it definitely, it's just such a Tim Burton movie that, like, the second you watch it, you're like, oh, yeah, this makes perfect sense. Danny Elfman, of course. It's just like, it, it feels like you've seen the movie before. Yep. The second you start watching it, because it's just such a familiar way of making a movie. It's very uh, Wes Anderson or anything like that, where it's such a filmmaker. He makes a very specific style, so you know exactly when you're watching a movie. Yeah, true. Totally. Uh, the jokes, for the most part, hold up. I really only think, you know, I think we constantly hit on this point of, like, jokes are troubling. Um, his relationship with Lydia is troubling, but that's the point. Mm-hmm. So it's not, like, a problem. Like, it's the point of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, there could be more other races in this would have been a good choice, perhaps. Uh, yeah, considering it's, like, a movie about people who have died. Yeah, also, literally everyone dies. Literally everybody dies. So there's a lot of room to play with it. I get it. Okay, even if you recast it and you did it all again today, they're still in fucking Connecticut. So yes, it would still probably be mostly. <laughs> I mean, the afterlife would probably have more people. But the probably. afterlife would absolutely have more people and of have them not be witch doctors. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's 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 where it gets a little troubling. Where it's like, yeah. You have, like, three people of color and one of them's a witch doctor. You're like, oh, okay, maybe not the best choices there. Yeah. Uh, but the jokes still, for the most part, hold up. And the jokes aren't really predicated on, like, the jokes aren't really based on anything uh, too offensive. Like, they're they're pretty, I, his relationship with Barb, but again, it's like, those are kind of not great jokes, but they're also the point of the character, like. The, it, it, the whole point is that he's a scumbag, so it's fine that he does that, kind of. Uh, I think Barbara probably could be a little bit more fleshed out, but she's not as bad of a character as you would expect from a movie from this era. Like, she does definitely have some autonomy, and she has some control over herself, and, like, her relationship isn't super one-sided with Adam, so yeah. it's relatively well-written. Yeah. Yeah, in that way. Yeah, I, I think I'd agree with you. The one thing that I was surprised by besides like the Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice thing. Like there weren't many cultural touchstones or whatever, like pop culture tidbits from this movie as I was expecting. Like, right. Which is part of why it's probably a little bit more timeless is because it just, it doesn't feel like it's of a time. Like if you gave Lydia a smartphone, yeah, this could take place now. No, but not necessarily the, of the time piece. Like I thought, this movie would be more impactful on pop culture is maybe what I'm saying. Like I thought there would be more scenes that would have been paid homage to, or yeah, iconic. And like for how many weird, crazy images or like memorable scenes or Beetlejuice as a character, it's like kind of one of a kind. Like it didn't really have much impact elsewhere. Yeah. I think, I think that might be the nature of Tim Burton because I'm thinking on his works and not a lot of them are like so aggressively memed because it's so of a particular look yeah that i think it's hard to parody yeah it's just if you're doing it you're essentially just doing that thing like if you wear a beetlejuice suit the only reference is just that you are wearing a beetlejuice suit. yeah Yeah. fair enough it's not like you're doing the thing you know uh i i think my the reason i say it that way is because like 
I think of it as how would the Simpsons have referenced this? Because that's my classic touchdown. Right. The reason I know a lot of references from like the early 90s is not because I like learned about them. It's because the Simpsons then referenced them. Right. And I watched all those early, early Simpson episodes. So now I know about them. Um, like there's jokes about Gorbachev and early Simpsons. It's like Gorbachev was never particularly relevant to me being kind of post cold war, <laughs> the post cold war existence that I have, but I knew things about sure. Gorbachev because it was referenced on the Simpsons. Yeah. That's so weird to think um, about, but you're spot on. Um, but yeah, that's right, kind of right? like, and so that, the reason I bring that up is because I don't, I don't know if Beetlejuice was ever referenced on the Simpsons. The one Beetlejuice reference I do know uh, is in, I forget which season of community it is. They say Beetlejuice three times throughout the season. And the third time they say it, a guy dressed as Beetlejuice walks behind a mirror in the background. <laughs> and it's not referenced at all. Otherwise they just happen to mention Beetlejuice three times. It's like a running gag. That's true. Low-key. I'm trying to think of like other, I guess that makes sense. Like I, I can't think of any um, like references to Beetlejuice, but it is still like, I, not, you are not the the first person that I've seen that did like a an outdoor screening or like a yeah like a movie theater screening of Beetlejuice. Like it's such a classic. It's an Halloween iconic film. movie, and he's such an iconic character. Like I've seen people dressed up as him for Halloween, but I feel like usually when there's such like events, other movies poke jabs at it yeah. or reference it more directly. Whereas this is like I can't think of anything. But if we're being real, like. Did the Sim- would the Simpsons have referenced Nightmare Before Christmas, Hocus Pocus, like the a lot of these? The thing is, they they do reference like a lot of horror movies and stuff like that. Like it, it comes up. Well, they have so Treehouse of not... Terror, right? Like they get like direct. Yeah, exactly. So they do like full on horror. Yeah, movies yeah, but sometimes. not something like this or Hocus Pocus, where it's less of a a horror film, more, more of, of just Halloween like a, a Halloween family Halloween kind of film. Fair enough. Um, that's true yeah colin what was your your take of the film oh i loved it i think it definitely holds up i haven't seen it in a lot of years but now that i watched it i'm like man i should really watch like this should be on my halloween repertoire it is a great halloween movie because i watched nightmare before christmas a lot but i i guess i just hadn't seen like i don't remember the last time i had seen beetlejuice but it was really good i thought it held up i think everyone's performance and it was really good i think i like it more than nightmare nightmare before christmas mm, i still like a nightmare before christmas more but i think i think it's it's just the songs and yeah, yeah. I, I, I get that the soundtrack is so good i mean I it's mean, a danny elfman but also they're singing well, yeah, it's a musical right like, yeah which i really <laughs> like. but I, I think i like the imagery in this one more yes there is a ton of overlap like the oogie boogie man it kind of just like looks exactly like everything else in this movie in terms of horror yeah i think but, it's also easier to do nightmare before christmas well i don't know when nightmare before christmas came out we'll have to do it around the holidays but it's like three or four years later yeah it's one of those like i feel like it's easier to do that one because it's only cartoons whereas this one like sometimes like cutting from the real people to the spooky like scenes and stuff it doesn't work quite as well and i don't think it's because of the time i think it's just because it's going from a real person to a cartoon kind of character yeah i think i just well blending stop motion with reality yeah it's really hard so the stop motion in in nightmare before christmas is just excellent and it's just the whole movie is just 
phenomenal. Yeah, I think I just like, I think Beetlejuice is just such a good character. It is a good character. And like, I like some of the imagery more in this one where they are like disfiguring themselves or trying to be spooky. Like, I think it just works better. But yeah, it's funny. They're both great movies. Yeah. Yeah. I think Beetlejuice, you know, we talked about how little he's in the movie. I think that's a very wise decision. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. He, he doesn't overstay his welcome. Um, it's like, it's weird because it has these horror movie sensibilities, even though it's not at all scary, even a little bit, uh, that like your main antagonist should not be in the movie all that much. Like as a horror movie, like horror movie monsters, the more you see them, the less scary they are. Yeah. Yep. Uh, this, this obviously wasn't going for scary, but it really like raises the stakes whenever Beetlejuice is on screen. You're like, oh shit, something's about to happen. Yeah. Because Beetlejuice is around. Yep. I um, think he was also like a really good, cause I mean, parts of the movie are funny, but Beetlejuice's parts are obviously the most funny. So I think that's, it was like a good, like comedic relief as well. Yeah. 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 So Resident Evil 4's. How many Resident Evil 4s is Beetlejuice? Infinite amount. I, w- <laughs> I don't like Resident I would Evil 4. Say it's upwards of 10 Resident Evil 4s. Fair. Okay. I was comparing it to me playing the game, but if I, it's me watching the game, mm-hmm. 15. Damn. Still a lot. A lot. I mean, it's just like a really, it's an entertaining movie. I would definitely rather, I would 15 times rather watch beetlejuice than watch you play resident evil 4 i'll give this one a one-to-one <gasps> hot take i love resident evil 4 i like this movie a lot maybe 15 is too much like someone okay eight if this podcast ever takes off someone will do the data visualization of like when we started that comparison and like how this exponential growth happens because you were Resident Evil is like .00005 Friends. Yes, because Friends is amazing. So then you do 15. So now Beetlejuice is like a tenth of an episode of Friends. Okay, that's <laughs> fair. Okay, I don't know how to do the math right. but Oh, I, I fully intend on it being entirely absurd. But the whole, I think the whole point of that last sequence is just to point out that assigning a number to something is stupid. <laughs> it totally so. is. I mean, I, I, I wait for Thomas. Hear that? Hear that, buddy? Okay. Put it together. We know a few things about Thomas. None of them indicate that he needs to stat track our episodes. Give the guy a break. He might already be doing it. So he might already be doing it. In which case, I openly invite him to do so. Right. But that's all I'm saying. Be free. All right. Uh, anything else? Closing thoughts. I'm podcast it. Podcast it out. Yeah, we've recorded what seven episodes today. Feels like it. <laughs> Eight. Yeah, this is our last episode. Yeah. Uh, what t- what's today? August 13th? <laughs> uh, so I think this will cover us till October. Um, we'll, we'll get back to work then. Like a big podcast hiatus. <laughs> uh, oh, no, no closing thoughts. I think this was a, a good one. Um, you know, it was interesting to pick something that I hadn't done before. Uh, you guys got to be ready, though, because I think the next one's going to have to actually suck. I think I've taken a, too long of a break from terrible things. Yeah, we've had a couple yeah, of good ones in a row. I know, because I got, I you know, I hit this podcast with, like, I'm going to pick some real yeah, shit. Yeah, you've things. gotten soft. I burnt we... myself out real yeah, quick on that one. When you realize how torturous that is to do. I know, right? So we'll have to go back, though. We'll have to switch back. Uh, but I think that's been a very uh, successful episode of Everything You Remember Sucks, guys. And 
Uh, we'll see you next week. See ya. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Everything You Remember Sucks. Join us next week for another glorious episode. Makes me sick. <laughs>